everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Stigma. I'm your host, Yaram Nova, and today's discussion is about different psychological therapies. How do we know what therapy is right for us? In this episode, I speak with the podcast clinical psychologist, Alina Vasilake, and some of the most popular psychological therapies. If you're looking for help but not sure where to start, this is a great episode for you. Hey, Alina, welcome back. Thank you so much. Glad to be here as always. And uh, very excited to hear your questions. So I think this is a very interesting topic because when we talk about therapies, we don't usually go into specialization the way, for example, we would for medical doctors, right? We categorize doctors into, you know, dermatologists, gynecologists, urologists, etc., But when we talk about therapy, we usually just say, I'm seeing a therapist, but there's many different branches of therapy, right? So do you think we should be looking and talking about therapies the same way that we talk about physical health? Okay, it's an interesting topic. Yes, indeed, people are very confused when it comes to um, psychotherapy in particular. The word therapy, it has to do with um, basically going through a process of uh, change or healing, Sometimes it involves both, right? Uh, So it can be therapy in different areas of our life and different aspects of our life. When it comes to psychotherapy, there are different approaches, different orientations. Well, so different orientation, different theory. And from that theory, we develop different approaches in terms of the strategies and the protocols of interventions that we're using with our clients, patients. So, of course, uh, people that are in need for therapy, they will not know these details. But obviously, when we work um, in psychology with our clients, with our patients, we know and we learn um, specific protocols of interventions and we follow a specific plan. Uh, the, the The common perception out there is, oh, you go to a therapist, and you go and you just chit-chat in there and you talk and and they just listen. We're not just listening. Uh, Most of the times, actually, and here there are different levels. Maybe a counselor would listen more than what a clinical psychologist Mm. would do, um, where we are more inclined towards change. But we, we are following a certain model of intervention, a certain approach. Now, there are many, many different approaches in psychology. Some of them and most of them have a lot of things in common because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what hurts us all because we are all humans and we all feel and uh, you know we have uh, similar pains Mm -hmm. emotionally speaking obviously they will have a lot of aspects in common and by the way there is a very new approach in psychology which is called the unified protocol of intervention which tends to do exactly this to kind of unify all the approaches in the most essential part that it's applicable to all cases Mm-hmm. But the reality is that all of us, each of us, psychotherapists, psychologists, coaches, we specialize more in one particular approach or several of them. The ones that we consider we are working uh, better with or we go through phases where we specialize in one and then we go and we start using another one and we specialize in the other one. Yeah. So people will sense some most of the times the difference between one therapist and another. Let's say if you are uh, kind of uh, looking for that perfect click with your therapist and you've been uh, seeing uh, six of them, most likely you'll be Mm -hmm. feeling uh, differences in their approaches. But therapy, again, is something very personal. And you should just go with the feeling of this is the right one for me and it's achieving or it's, it's pushing me towards what I want to achieve. 
Yeah, that's why in our first mm-hmm. session with the client, what we do is we establish goals of our interventions, goals of our work together. The, the patient client themselves, they have an idea after a few sessions, if this approach is helping me, I can feel that I'm going towards my goal or not. Sometimes it's a little yeah. bit, it takes a little bit of, you know, trying and testing. Yeah, that's very well said. So basically, though, um, generally therapists or clinical psychologists, they're specialized in, let's say, one form of intervention. However, they can it can extend to many different suffering, I would say. So for example, I know you look at eating disorders, but you also look at things like trauma and um, perhaps addiction. So it can extend, maybe the intervention would be one or two types, but then the kind of conditions that it looks at can be multiple. Would that be correct? Well, yes, that is correct. Let's take, for example, the most common approach in psychology, CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. I know we we talked about it before. Um, So, for example, CBT is one approach that's applicable probably to all cases. Yeah, I mean, everybody uh, can benefit from, from CBT. But psychology also in time what it did, it developed some uh, variation of CBT that are specific for certain cases. So we have a specific CBT for eating disorder, for example, CBTE, CBT enhanced is called, or we have a specific CBT um, for uh, personality disorders. Yeah. So um, we also have variation of the same intervention applicable to specific uh, cases. Now, uh, let me share with you the other part as well. We also have cases and uh, disorders where we don't have actually a specific protocol of intervention or specific approach that is evidence-based yet. (laughs) So what us Mm. as psychologists, we do there, we go to the one that is in our clinical judgment closest. closest, exactly. The closest one or the one closest either in terms of the case, disorder, or closest in terms of techniques that we know, uh, you know, can can suit the case. And we work in that way as well. Yeah, so there are many different therapies, like you said, but a lot of them are similar. And you obviously brought up the most popular, most available method worldwide, which is CBT. So we'll cover some of the different some of the therapies today, but let's start off with CBT as it is the most popular method. So what does CBT focus on and what would you say CBT is most relevant for? So cognitive behavior therapy, it's um, very, very commonly used. I would like, I like to call it the, the therapy at the surface. I honestly believe that all people should have a course of CBT somehow because I, I do believe in, in the benefits of CBT strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very action-oriented form of, uh, of therapy, psychosocial, and it focuses mostly on changing those um, incorrect, maladaptive thinking patterns that will, in the end, take us into maladaptive behaviors, reactions, emotions, right? So it focuses very much on the theory that my emotions 
are actually a result of my thinking patterns, of the way I'm filtering the reality. And if you remember, we, we have a whole episode on cognitive distortions. Well, those cognitive distortions are these mm-hmm. maladaptive thinking patterns or examples of them. And those are the ones that CBT focuses on and teaches people how to become real detectors of these cognitive distortions or maladaptive, unhelpful thinking patterns and how to restructure them, how to change them into ones that are more helpful. And obviously the emotions will follow that. And in time, if you really worked on on the way you're filtering your life and your experiences, overall, you are going to have an accumulation, an accumulation of, of more positive emotions that you are going to feel it even overall. Of course, we when we work with clients in sessions, we work, we dissect every example, right? And every situation and we analyze things mm-hmm. in details uh, in terms of, right, what did you think here? What was the unhelpful thought? How can we change it into one that helps more? How your emotion changed in that moment? But also overall, people, when they do this on a daily basis, they uh, automatically will feel an improvement in their general mood. So mm-hmm. it's used for... It, it, it's used for a lot of things. As I said, CBT, I cannot say that it doesn't, I mean, we have it even adopted for um, young ages. So we have even CBT for children um, that is simplified and uh, and it's still very, very useful. It can We can deal with anxiety. We can deal with depression, substance abuse. As I said before, even in personality disorder, although it's not the number one intervention for personality disorder, but it can still be very helpful. Eating disorder, uh, panic disorder, absolutely everything in reality, CBT helps. But it is staying yeah. at the surface. And it's more of a short-term, very practical, goal-oriented therapy, I would say. And that's why a lot of people like it, because it's it's quite practical. They see an improvement quite fast. Of course, it gives them uh, also a sensation of I'm in control of my mind and I'm in control of my emotions in this way. So it's, uh, it helps the, the clients and the people reorganize this unhelpful negative thoughts. Yeah, I also think that even people who don't have a so-called condition can use CBT. I love to use CBT on, you know, an everyday basis because I think it's just so powerful in being conscious of the way that we think. And this three-way model is just so iconic. The, you know, the tie between your thoughts, your feeling, um, your thoughts, feelings, your actions, and then your behavior and how to alter the behavior, basically. So I just think it's, um, like you said, it's the most common, but it's also because it can be used, especially for people who have like rumination a lot. And like we spoke about previously, those cognitive distortions. So yeah, I, I do think it's um, it's a great technique that probably everyone should learn about. And it's just such a great tool to have. Now, derived from CBT, there is another approach called uh, DBT, so Dialectal Behavioral Therapy. So what is DBT and then how does it work or how does it differ from CBT? Yes. Uh, so before moving into DBT, yes, I would like to emphasize a little bit more on on, uh, on your uh, point there of everybody uh, probably could benefit uh, significantly from 
from CBT. I honestly believe it should be given in um, in school somehow, a, a mini course on <laughs> CBT. That doesn't yeah. take away the fact that therapy is needed because therapy is a work in detail, as I said, with the therapist and, and applied to day-to-day life situations. But I do believe that it would be amazing if sometime at one point where uh, children reach a certain cognitive level where they're able to understand this concept, to have a, a you know a mini course on CBT, for sure that would be uh, helpful for the whole society, right? Yeah, especially teenagers, because they're at that age where they're really going through a lot, right? Puberty makes you think all kinds of things. And, you know, you're always criticizing your, whether it's your body or your friends and wanting to be accepted by peers. So I think definitely CBT, teaching CBT and perhaps around the ages of like 12 and above, it would be so, so beneficial to have that kind of awareness from that young age. For sure, for sure. Especially because at that that age, our adolescents, they have no idea of how powerful the mind can be. And uh, they don't even have this uh, awareness of, you know, your mind can actually dictate a lot of things in your life and how you feel. They, they are mm-hmm. clueless about this connection between our mind, our brain and our, you know, emotions and our physical well-being. So um, back to your question, DBT, right? Well, DBT, dialectical mm-hmm. uh, behavior therapy, is basically a kind of a subtype of CBT. So it's still coming from the mm-hmm. um, big, big CBT <laughs> of psychology. Um, and it was originally <laughs> developed um, by Marsha Linehan. And she had this um, kind of challenge in her clinical practice to mostly deal with the most severe cases. <laughs> so for whatever reason, mm. she was very interested and very challenged by these cases where we have a lot of self-harm, suicidal thinking, deep, deep depression, uh, huge complex difficulties in life. And she kind of collected all these cases and she started uh, putting up together um, step by step based on her clinical experience a protocol of intervention that uh, it's simply uh, more in-depth CBT for these severe cases. And of course, these severe cases, they tend to be uh, borderline personality disorder, so emotional instability and intolerance. So it's a more of a long-term process compared to CBT, while CBT is very much at the surface and it's quite short-term and goal-oriented. DBT, on the other mm. hand, tends to go more tends to go deeper, yeah, in, even in, at, the, at deeper levels. And as I said, works more on, on personalities and uh, these disorders that are kind of a constant in, in life. And, and it works mostly combining four areas. So, so Marsha kind of uh, focused this protocol of interventions on four. Uh, one is uh, works on interpersonal relationships. So teaches people how to have positive mm-hmm. interpersonal relationships because uh, we realize that especially borderline personality disorder and people with emotional instability, they tend to receive a lot of discomfort and their main uh, pain comes from interpersonal relationships. So then, literally, is a, so then mm-hmm. it's a, literally a process of learning how to um, to uh, interact with others in a healthy uh, manner. Stress management is another part of it. So teaching people how to emotionally uh, respond, not react in crisis moments or moments when they have to deal with painful emotions. Acceptance is another part. 
So teaching them a lot of mindfulness as, mm-hmm. uh, as strategies, they, they use a lot of uh, mindfulness and acceptance of the present without judgment and uh, all of that work. And then, of course, there's a big, big uh, part that goes into emotional regulation, work to learn yeah. how to regulate their emotions. Yeah. So that is the DBT. Also, sometimes DBT, we don't use it only for borderline personality disorder or personality disorders, but we take from it and we uh, apply it in other cases as well, because it's always useful or parts of it, at least. I actually really love DBT because it helps the person find ways to accept themselves and manage their emotions, like you said, to potentially regulate, you know, destructive. I mean, of course, CBT is great because it's actually teaching you how to change that behavior. But sometimes, you know, we don't always need to change something, you know, sometimes it's really about accepting something. And that's one thing I really like about the DBT approach, along with, like you said, the mindfulness um, that comes along with it. Now, CBT and DBT are both uh, individual approach to therapy, right? And there's something called the internal family systems therapy model. Could you talk a little bit about this? When is it relevant? So uh, it's always relevant because all of us, we suffer a lot when it comes to a family dynamic. Or not all of us, but some some families, Mm -hmm. they do have uh, a little bit of complicated uh, interactions, let's say. But um, mm-hmm. the the whole idea of any kind of family intervention or approach is the fact that family is seen as a system. So we all take different roles, different personas in the context of the family. And we all tend to function, each of us, from that role in the dynamic with the other members of the family. And the family is seen as a system. So Mm -hmm. the moment one changes, there's going to be a consequence on the whole system, not only on that person. So any intervention that uh, looks into the family, it will look at this kind of dynamics and these different roles that people take and how we change in the context of a family. Because it's quite interesting how I can be Mm -hmm. a complete different person or have a complete different emotional reaction or interpretation even of a situation when I'm in the context of my family and I can be a complete different person with a complete different reaction and mindset outside. So then we have a lot of interventions that focus on the family system and the one you're mentioning creates kind of different personas and they well they they're focusing it's just one of them and but they're focusing on between they try to help the person find their balance and somehow in the context even in the context of the family to remain in their true self rather than switching into different Mm. kind of roles uh well they call it exiles uh, firefighters managers these are different kind of roles or let's call them incorrect Mm. uh roles they would take And you analyze all the situations, you analyze those dynamics, and you basically guide the person uh, in such a way to remain in their true self. It's very difficult to understand when I'm explaining just these concepts, but um, overall, the most important... Maybe an example? uh, An example would be, let's say that I am... uh, There's a, let's say there's a a misunderstanding between my mother and my brother, and uh, I'm in my... I automatically take the role of the firefighter, and I start getting in the middle to try to fix things. 
Yeah. And I go into mm. the fixer mode, mm. which actually is not my true self. And it doesn't have to do with me as such. But so from the fire fighter mode, I will be acting and thinking and reacting in a complete different way than who I actually am or what I actually believe in. And the context of the family made me step out of it, right? Made me step out of my true self. So we analyze these situations mm -hmm. and we work and there's a lot of role playing uh, that can be done here where we can, uh, you know, change things around. But it's just one of the approaches. What I'm curious to know is the person still goes to the therapy alone? Do members of the family or can members of the family also attend the sessions? Or is this just a personal method where they explore their internal family systems with their therapist? It can be both depending on the goal of the intervention, realistically speaking. And this is uh, the freedom of the, of the therapist uh, mm. themselves, how they feel also, how they are skilled uh, to work. Because not all therapists, there are training to do family therapy. If it's family therapy, because the family is really struggling, then we can work with different mm. members of the family or all members of the family. If it's individual therapy, because one of them is suffering, maybe the rest of them are not even acknowledging that there is a problem and they're very happy, right? right? But one of them is suffering. Then we are working with that person, although we are analyzing the context of the family and the different um, you know, dynamics that we have there. And we guide them towards a place where they're still in their true self Uh, or healthy adult version of themselves, and they do not engage into this unhelpful or maladaptive uh, family dynamics. Yeah, so it can be both. No, this is great because um, not a lot of people hear about these. Um, but I like to talk about another approach, which is the humanistic therapy. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? What is humanistic therapy? Humanistic uh, therapy, well... It focuses on, on people's free will, understanding of a person mm -hmm. as a whole individual with their rights and with their full potential, views human nature in a positive manner no matter what. So it's a very young psychology generation, Holistic. let's say, approach. And it's one that I, I'm uh, following as well very much in, in my work, and I truly believe in it. The day we will not believe in it, then obviously it's going to be a very, very sad day for all of us. Basically, it's, it's a strong belief in human nature as being uh, a positive, in a positive manner. Also believe in the capability of a person to form and keep healthy and meaningful connections with others and interact in a, in a healthy and positive manner. Also um, focuses a little bit on the, on the part of self-actualization and realization. If you remember from Maslow's pyramids of needs, uh, us humans, we yeah. have this high level needs once the other ones are obviously satisfied. So then the humanistic approach really takes into consideration a lot this part of uh, clients always will tend to reach towards their self-actualization rather than just cure illnesses. So humanistic psychology as a humanistic approach, because it doesn't have to be just in psychology, it can be actually in other fields as well yeah. of well-being, goes into let us focus on the positive whatever that positive is, because we do have in the human nature a lot of positives, rather than focusing on the negatives and illness, disorders, all of those goes, go into the negative part, right? So instead of focusing on the negative part, let us focus on what's positive in there and try to grow that more and more to an extent where the negative, it's kind of eliminated or minimized. 
So, hmm. so, so who would you say would benefit most from this approach? I, of course, I personally believe everyone should apply, but generally, who do you think uh, humanistic therapy would be uh, most prominent for? Everybody, as you say, I mean, it's, uh, it's just almost mm. humanistic approach is almost like a new generation realization in well-being interventions. And it's a twist a little bit in how we approach patients, clients, people that are in pain, any kind of pain. And here, obviously, we're talking more about emotional pain, but it's about everything. So it's not seeing and looking only at the uh, negatives and this reminds me about uh, the medical approach right that focuses on the symptoms and on what the problem is mm-hmm. on the pathology but we forget to focus on what's you know actually good and going well and a resource yeah so everybody in reality will benefit from the humanistic approach now if you ask me where I would use it or emphasize it even more, I would probably emphasize it even more with those clients of mine that have suffered of the opposite approach in their life because I'm trying to correct their emotional experience. Yeah. So if I have a person that was treated very badly before in their life and they were really, um, I don't know, they really, they were treated like objects or animals, or, although. I respect animals equally to to people, so it doesn't. It, it's a phrase, but <laughs> it, it's not actually my belief. So let's say objects. If they were treated like objects, then even more reason for me as their therapist to try to uh, give to emphasize more on the humanistic approach. So I'm trying to correct their emotional experience and their trauma to heal them. But as I said, I'm, it should be used with everybody. Maybe I emphasize it a little bit more in these cases. Yeah, I absolutely love the humanistic approach. And to be honest, I was never even aware of humanistic therapy, but it really aligns with my beliefs. We've spoken so much in the past about how I feel about diagnostic criteria. So it's it's really great. Alina, I know um, I am wary of your time. So as a final two or even three questions, <laughs> if we have time, the first one is very, very quickly, if there's any other uh, therapies, we don't have to go into their details, but just to put them under the radar that maybe people who have relationship problems or um, certain, you know, eating disorders or um, emotional instabilities. Are there any other few therapies that you think would be important enough for, for people to look at? Once again, not going into detail, just kind of briefly putting it out there. Yes, there are many. One that I use a lot is chemotherapy. I love it and I use it a lot with uh, mm-hmm. especially personality disorders, but anxiety, I'm using it. I, I take parts of it and use it in so many different cases. We've discussed this before when we touched a little bit on the topic of trauma. I'm using a lot EMDR uh, and I find it very, very helpful mantra for uh, cases of eating disorders, family-based therapy for eating disorders. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many different ones. The Unify uh, Protocol of Intervention, as I mentioned before, I find it very useful. So there are different approaches. And uh, at the end of the day, when you get to work with a person, uh, as a therapist, what you have to do is to be very skilled at kind of having a very quick review in your mind of all the techniques and all different approaches. So you give a very eclectic uh, uh, intervention to the person, very adaptive, very tailored to their needs. So I cannot tell you that I'm, you know, I specialize in one and that's what I do. I'm not a, a, a therapist that is very protocol oriented. I'm always very client oriented. So 
I'll mm -hmm. uh, choose from what I know, whatever it mm -hmm. best uh, suits the client's needs. What are your thoughts on online therapies? Do you think they're as effective as in-person? Well, I cannot say I'm a big fan of it, but not because I, um, I would say mm -hmm. it's not uh, helpful. I will always say this. Uh, something mm. is better than nothing. <laughs> so there are some people out there that uh, mm. if they cannot have face-to-face -face as first option therapy, uh, then, okay, online therapy is still uh, an option. Why I would say it's less, of, um, less effective? Well, I feel that face-to-face -face, you connect easier. But again, we have cases where people are so, let's say, a person that suffers from social anxiety so badly that they can't even, uh, you know, dream to, to come for a session. So in those cases, if it's more comfortable for them to start with the online uh, therapy, then let it be because you're still helping that person, right? As long as it's a positive change, it's a positive change. Even if it's small, it's better than nothing. For me as a therapist, when I do online sessions, because I do them, sometimes my clients travel right now during the summer, they're all abroad. So uh, we have to do that. Uh, it, it helps mm -hmm. with the continuity of the process. So then it's always good to have it as an option. And I'm actually thankful for the era we live in now because we have it as, a, as an option. For me as a therapist, I feel that actually I'm putting more effort during an online session because somehow I want to feel that connection with my clients more. And I get much more exhausted after online sessions than face-to-face -face for whatever reason. But it's just, uh, you know, mm -hmm. probably me. So, yeah, I would say this. It's um, as long as it benefits, it's better than not having it for sure. Yeah, that, that I agree, actually. It's very context-based, personalized. Some people might prefer it. For others, it's the ease of access. Other people, like you said, are more, they need that physical connection or that in-person connection. So um, I guess it's about finding what works best for you as, as an individual. Alina, so as a final question, and I'm very excited to, to get this one out into the public, you've recently started and are co-founding your own company called Potentia Life Consultancy. Big congratulations for it, by the way. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And I'm also curious to know, is it strictly for people in the United Arab Emirates or is it extended to patients outside? Yes, thank you so much. And it's, uh, it's uh, our baby now. <laughs> Um, well, uh, no, it's not <laughs> limited to UAE. Definitely not. We're actually working with a lot of people from abroad. I work with the States, with Egypt, with Romania, with uh, London, with a little bit from everywhere. Uh, I would say it's uh, 40% of the clients are actually from abroad. So no, we're not limited to UAE. And uh, in Potentia, basically, uh, we, we're trying to coach people towards achieving their goals and towards achieving their full potential. And again, it comes from that humanistic approach where we strongly, strongly believe that each of us has a huge value mm. within themselves. And for whatever reason, sometimes life experiences, sometimes, uh, you know, past, sometimes circumstances um, do not allow us to, to fully achieve our potential. And we basically help people to, to get there. And uh, our biggest reward is obviously to see uh, stories of success from our clients, which is wonderful always. And yeah, we, we, uh, we plan a very long, beautiful journey together with, uh, with our uh, people with the people that we work with 
Um, we are a, a very good team and uh, we hope to grow more and more and we hope to, to help as many people as possible to achieve their, their best. Yeah, it's such a great approach. I think it's the approach to life, right? Um, and I'm very much behind on your vision. So best of luck. Thank for you so much. It's wonderful to be here one more time. And uh, I hope we give some uh, interesting information. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. As always, please don't forget to share this episode if someone is curious or looking to find their right approach to therapy. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you guys next time.